Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, step right up. Behind this curtain lies a ghastly concoction of delight, horror, fantasy, and terror. Your every wish is our command. Your every whimsical desire brought to life. But I'm warning you, there's always a price. Welcome to the greatest Welcome back to the greatest show on earth that is Talking Terror. As always, I'm your old pal, the King of Horror, Andy G, welcoming you to this episode that's brought to you by Science. That's right, folks. Tonight we're going to be discussing the Ghoul Geek Keith's film pick of the week from 2012, Sinister, directed by Scott Derrickson, which apparently, according to Forbes magazine, a scientific study declared it the scariest movie of all time. Will it be that way? You'll have to see later on in the episode what we thought. But first, I'm joined by the bold and the beautiful, the Goldie Keith. They blinded me with science. Hello, hello, everybody. What is going on tonight? Welcome back, sir. Welcome back to our post-Halloween, but ongoing election night coverage of Talking Dare, special edition. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Well, you know, <laughs> as they keep saying on the news, it's too close to call. It's too close to call. So... I don't know. We'll see what happens. It's a real-life horror show going on in real time. But aside from that, because we don't want to make it all about election coverage, we're also joined by the psychotic simian, the man monkey, the prince of one more's day, the deputy so-and-so. Mad monkey, get funky with it. (laughs) Hey hey there, Fright fans. This is the Mad Monkey broadcasting to you live from a luxurious padded cell in the Drunky Monkey Rehabilitation Clinic, where we, the Talking Terror cast, bring you the best damn horror podcast there is in all of the land. So that's right. Listen live. Listen on repeat. (laughs) We don't care just as long as you listen often. What's up, motherfuckers? (laughs) Hello there. And as always, we are joined by the very astute, very educated, and we love him to death, Demonic Dean. Welcome back, Dean. Thank you so much. I can't wait to talk about science tonight (laughs) as we turn into a scientific show. I have so much information. I can't wait to talk about it. We are science fact, not science fiction this week. Have we fact checked everything here? I think we have. Everything is fact checked. Our our fact checkers on standby. They're in the background. I have impeccable sources. So there we go. He's got the (laughs) best sources. The best sources. Greatest sources, because, you know, there's no other sources like those sources, because they're fantastic. They're wonderful. They're smart. They know everything about the facts that they need to know. Yes, the the dean has our fact checker locked in his bathroom, so <laughs> the dean will get him when we need him. No, oh, that's a Vietnamese fact. hooker named Ming. Oh, hi, Ming. <laughs> no, Tubuku, Tubuku. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> get back in the bathroom, damn it. <laughs> But anyway, we have a lot of uh, scientific facts to go on later on in the show. But speaking of science and even science fiction, the Mad Monkey and the Ghoul are knee-deep in the Mandalorian Season 2. I wanted to get their opinions on it. Right off the bat, in our news, 
because I know that they're chopping up a bit. <laughs> you you sit there and beat me to it. <laughs> I, I got one other thing after this. But, yeah, cool. Yeah, Chapter 9 of The Mandalorian dropped. Uh, packed full of Easter eggs. And, yeah, man, the, like, I don't know about you, but the fanboy in me, like, was just excited as fuck about this episode. Yeah, look, again, it's, you know, it's... To say we're knee-deep, I don't know if we can go that far, man. It's literally one episode of season two that's been released so far. But it did have Mm -hmm. a major, major reveal. Finally, 100% concrete, in canon, no longer speculation. Boba Fett lives. You know, so so we're going to finally see what, you know, the, the, the feared and revered bounty hunter of the galaxy is going to be like, we hope, you know, to some, to some extent anyway, I don't know. He's one of those weird characters that like took on a life of his own with like this major amount of popularity. Yet if you actually watch him in the movies, he's really done almost nothing. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> he has, he has a uh, very, very little screen time. <laughs> I believe only uh, three lines. Um, but he's cool as shit. He's cool as shit. Uh, you you look at my um, bookshelf in the living room. Yeah, I think I have like nineteen Boba Fett figures. So yeah, <laughs> um, he, he he's my favorite out of the whole Star Wars universe. Uh, but yeah, just all the Easter eggs that they dropped. It was just so fucking badass. Uh, so we yeah. saw a fucking living crate dragon, man. You know, something that we had only yeah. seen a skeleton of in the past, you know? Like, it's amazing to see all of these things being fully fleshed out in a TV series that is only an hour long. When, you know, when you, when you look at how many films, you know, nine in the, you know, the, the main Skywalker storyline and then the other couple of side films and whatnot. But, like, here we are after all this time. That little thing of bones that we saw in one movie has finally had fucking flesh attached to it. And we see how fucking dangerous those things really are. I love the little pearl. Yeah, man. Nice, nice little touch. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's really really cool just just see them keep digging f- further and further into the Star Wars universe for us Star Wars fans. Um, and yeah, it's just again, I'm I'm just hoping they're just gonna give us the story of how Set got out of the fucking Starlight. Like I'm just hoping they're gonna mm-hmm. drop that. Let 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 it drop it. Like he doesn't have to be the center of the entire second season here it's like let him have a couple episodes let him do his thing you know then let him tell his story and then send him on his way because mandalorian still has his own job to do i think we kind of i don't think we're going to get that because you know again the whole idea of this is going to be mando's journey with the child um that Mm -hmm. being said what we've witnessed with mando and the crate Dragon, I think, tells us all we need to know as far as how he got out of it. The armor was obviously resistant to whatever it is inside of the creatures. Um, you know, I know he was swallowed by the Sarlacc, but the crate Dragon ate the Sarlacc. Um, so it's like, you know, I guess maybe the crate Dragon was going to work on the fucker. Plus, if he had his jetpack and any of his explosives, he might have been able to blow the fucker up from the inside, just like Mando did, you know, in, in this particular episode with this crate Dragon. So... I think those were all little clues as to how he got out. You know, the, the one thing that always puts a smile on my face, he's one of those actors, I love seeing him in anything, you know, and especially because I just, uh, the, the first thing that always comes to my head is Girl Next Door. I love seeing Timothy Oliphant in anything at all. The guy, I just, I just always breathe. 
He's, <laughs> he's just like he's magnetic. You see him on screen, and you're just automatically <clears throat> watching him. Like, I think, you know, even in, like, uh, in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, when, when the scene where Leonardo DiCaprio starts stuttering over his lines and everything, it's great. If you watch Oliphant in the background as he's waiting, as you know, Leo's busy complaining and crying and this and that, he's kind of just like his eyes are rolling around a little bit. He's trying to try to keep himself in character, knowing that he's going to have to redo this scene while Leo's busy throwing this big fucking tantrum, and then boom, it's everything's back to character. And there's Oliphant, like, just still, still in that role that he needs to be in for it. And it's just one of the, it's just those little things that that actor does that I love to watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, agreed, man. He was just solid as hell in there. But you know, we're not going to spend the entire thing on you know on the Mandalorian. But I'm just so stoked we're not. that it's nope. back up. No, yeah. we're not. Go ahead. <laughs> because, no, because it. Because I just wanted to ask. Since last weekend was Halloween, I just wanted to ask the three of you guys. You know how how did you spend your Halloween? Three of us. I was with you. You know how I spent it. Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, so 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 we don't have to tell four stories. <laughs> you can tell the story about me scaring those kids. That was pretty tight. Yeah, I was about to let the glue of the team go first before we tell talk about that. Uh, <laughs> I didn't do jack shit all Halloween, man. You know what? I've been dealing with a bunch of personal issues over here, so I pretty much relegated my ass to the couch and played Arkham Knight. You know, which I nice. decided just to, to kick on on a whim. Realized I hadn't played the game since 2016, which baffled the shit out of me. I couldn't even believe I've had the system that long, uh, let alone that game for that long. But, uh, yeah, I, I booted it up and pretty much played that for, off and on throughout the course of the day. The kids, you know, one kid went to a friend's house. The other kid went to, to the auction in costume. And, you know, one was a plague doctor. And I forget what the other one was. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, so what did you do, Dean? Uh, so I know they've been very popular in the Northeast. That um, that drive drive in uh, style concert, and uh, they <clears throat> it's where there's like a band and like the space that you get for your car, like your car goes on the right side of your space and then you have some space on the left of your car to be outside. So it goes like car people, car people, car people, car people. And the cars act as like the, like the separation between people in the next car. So one of our, one of our beloved local favorite bands here on Halloween night, uh, about an hour from here was doing one of these drive-in concerts so uh, we we were able to go to that, and um, it was really great. Uh, we were able to see uh, a bunch of people that we know, and had a good show. And uh, it just you know it felt like a tiny like it was a weird setup, but it worked great. And it was just like a uh, you know like almost like a little kind of normalcy in this in these crazy times right now. Cool man. All right, King, why don't you go ahead and talk about what we did on Halloween night? <laughs> I mean, I thought we had a pretty good night. I mean, just, you know, at uh, the evil lair with the diva, dressed up like a patient at the rehabilitation clinic that the drunken monkey runs. Uh, plenty of, of uh, horror movie marathons. We had Halloween and uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Trick or Treat, obviously, which is the thing. And then uh, Monkey and I dressed up like Michael Myers in Leatherface and, and stalked the streets of where he lives and 
hoping to find some people. We found some people eating at a restaurant, and we just stood outside the window, and I just kept tapping on it with my chainsaw just to see if anybody would turn around. Scared a couple people there. That was pretty nice. But, that was um, cool. <laughs> it was very cool, but it was uh, at one point, the monkey and I are walking down the street, and we stop at a place that's all decorated, and all of a sudden the monkey says, hey, King, turn around. And there's three teenagers walking towards us, but very slowly, very hesitant. And I turn around and I look at them, and then the one girl decides to kind of slowly wave at me, kind of like, I'm your friend. And then I took two steps forward, and then they started backing up really fast. And then I just took off down the street chasing after them, my chainsaw. Zipping it up, <laughs> waving, screaming. And one of the kids tripped and fell trying to get over a fence, and he's like, fuck, he's still coming, he's still coming, get the fuck out of here. And then they just ran <laughs> off in the night like rabbits. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's just, he fucking ran though, man. As soon as King picked up his chainsaw, he fucking took off. I'd never seen you move that fucking fast, man. And you were fucking hauling ass after these kids. <laughs> I got stuck behind the car. I can run. <laughs> Dude, but you fucking took off like a rabbit, man, with that chainsaw all over your head. Just <laughs> <laughs> love you, man. It's like the juggernaut, like, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like he, he was chasing them through traffic and stuff like that and just running. Oh yeah, running from the running. cars. Yeah. <laughs> so, so these running isn't cars, the problem. So, the problem is stopping. <laughs> yeah, that's so, right. so, yep. so these so so these couple of cars though saw these kids running across the street and then let <laughs> their face chasing them with a chainsaw over his head. So the people in the cars were probably like, did you just see what I fucking saw? <laughs> yeah, a large man dressed up with a skin mask and a chainsaw running across the street. <laughs> After the kids. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but they're screaming for their lives. Like they can't tell that it's a fake chainsaw making electronic noises. <laughs> it was so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely the highlight of the evening. So that was Halloween 2020. Not as great as we had hoped, obviously, because of this wonderful pandemic that we're going through. But still, Halloween wasn't canceled. We still celebrated, and it was a lot of fun. Hopefully next year is well, a little more different. Yeah. You were able to get out there and have some fun. Like, I was able to get out there and have some fun. Like, sure, man. Yeah. Pandemic is fuck, has fucking fucked up everything and continues to fuck up everything and uh you know hopefully you know one day it won't fuck up everything and we can have fun you know we can have fun uh you know without uh without fear and hesitation once again Uh, those are the days that i look forward to there's just so much shit that i miss and um you know i'm sure it's the same for all of you uh but this is the world we live in right now unfortunately and uh we have to make do the best we can and if that means chasing teenagers down the street with a chainsaw king then then have at it <laughs> it was fun I, it's I just really always be tripping if... on nothing <laughs> <laughs> tripping on I, tripping on acid I legitimately think that they no that's Oregon like, man acid. that's tripping on mushrooms <laughs> yeah well remember don't so, uh, you know I, I, I know a lot about this so just like the 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 information that you want so the legalization of mushrooms in Oregon right, and, well they also did yeah they did decriminalize they did decriminalize uh you know street drugs as well down to like bench tickets and stuff uh so there's For some a some specific de- amount 
it's not. Yes, of course. But know, my, my point. It's not like uh, if you fucking been... open up the door and there's a gigantic stash of a fucking, you know, a Nino Brown level operation <laughs> occurring. It ain't like they're going to say, here's a little slap on the hand and we're going to give you a ticket. Bye. See you guys later. Am I my brother's keeper? Am I my brother's keeper? Am I my brother's keeper? <laughs> CFP, cash money brother. The Nino Brown. <laughs> so, oh, uh, yes, the, the mushrooms, you know, it's for use in, in therapeutics and uh psychology and psychiatry and uh you know research is showing like tremendous things and uh you know these things were actually being studied long ago we could have told them and... that no of course of course <laughs> but like you know uh, uh, use with use under the guidance of of therapists uh there's there's tremendous gains that are happening in the world of mental health so uh it's exciting yeah. it's exciting and hopefully it can the, the work that good work can continue now, what I want to know is, is do they count usage towards my doctorate? Because I think I can do very well in <laughs> applying these techniques that I know through usage towards these people. I would very much love to become the new doctor. You know, I could be Dr. Mushroom. That sounds like a bad porn star with a little dick. I'm Dr. Mushroom. Dr. Mushroom. <laughs> I got a doctorate in drugs. Uh, <laughs> Dean, uh, what's up for horror news? What do you got? Doctor of Triponomics. Oh, there's just <laughs> Triponomics. Thugonomics? Uh, <laughs> oh, that's John Cena. You can't see him. There's so many things to talk about. He's not in. <laughs> 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 anyway, I had no – maybe I knew there was four, but uh, Insidious 5 is on the way. And I yeah. can't believe they're still making these movies, but I guess they're making some dough. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, the difference here is that uh, series star uh, Patrick Wilson is going to be stepping behind the camera to make his directorial debut. Uh, he will be directing and starring uh, in Insidious 5. Uh, it's going to be picking up with the story of the Lamberts, but – uh, taking place 10 years after the last installment. So if you have been following the the Insidious saga, there is more on the way for your viewing pleasure. So I'm on the theater. I own them. One. I, don't re- I own them <laughs> Me too. up until the last key. And, you know, I always say I haven't watched them all. I, I, I vaguely remember one and two. I think I've watched three. To completion, mm-hmm. I know for a fact yeah. I have not watched the last key, which is the fourth one. Uh, isn't one of them right. a prequel? Yeah, three is a prequel. That tells a story. I, of how I, the, I don't the know. Like it came to be. Yeah, three. Is a I've prequel. seen the first one and that's it. Before the first two, and the fourth one is an extenuation of part one and two, but it doesn't feature the Lamberts. So yeah, I've seen them all in theaters. I've spent my money. So maybe I watched the last <laughs> I have key too. I I fucking forget, man. The last key is so forgettable, though. It's all about, like, keys to the ghost world, and if you find the right one, you can unlock another dimension. Oh, I didn't see that shit, dude. That I probably would have been all for, man. Again, this is, you know, give me some fucking, some hallucinogenics, and we're good to go, man. (laughs) Like, I got the key, man. I got the key right here. I'm the key master, dude. (laughs) Yeah. Are you the gatekeeper? (laughs) Show me your zoo. What else you got? So show me your zoo. 
uh, with uh, <clears throat> other properties going on. Uh, Jordan Peele, uh, he's not expected to direct, and it's unknown if he's going to be writing, but he's going to be executive pro- executive producing uh, a remake of uh, The People Under the Stairs that is going to be uh, developed as a TV series. And um, there's not much more known about it at this point, this point in time. Uh, but Jordan Peele, who, you know, as we know, was the EP for uh, the, at some point, upcoming uh, Candyman film. Uh, there's going to be uh, a revisiting to the people under the stairs. Um, I don't I'm a fan of that movie. I actually really do like that movie. It's worth revisiting if you guys haven't seen it in a while. Still holds up. I saw it in theaters when it came time. out. That was, that was it. <laughs> I saw it when it, like, in yeah. a round time of release. Definitely not in theaters. It yeah. was one that I found to be like forgettable, but maybe this is one of those cases in which I, I saw it, felt like they were trying to condense too much into an hour and a half to hour 40 minute window, maybe it'll work better as a series where you get a better, deeper exploration of everything. The Gimp. <laughs> well, that was Everett McGill, who was from uh, Twin Peaks, and the actress that played Nadine on Twin Peaks played his wife. It was supposed to be an allegory for Nancy Reagan and Ronald Reagan. Uh, Ving Rains was great in it. Uh, it's just a bizarre, puzzling movie that uh, really, I think, might be good for a reboot. You know, it might be something that uh, could be fresh, like the, the ghoul had said. But, yeah, if you haven't revisited it, it's a fun movie. It's, it's Craven in the 90s before Scream, before he became the big name again. You know, Before New Nightmare. So. <laughs> no, Nightmare was 92. I think uh, people oh, okay. came after that. Did it really? I thought it was before that. Okay. I'm going to have to look that up, but I'm pretty sure that New Nightmare came before uh, People on the Stairs. <clears throat> but, okay. Uh, so yeah, that'll be good. All right, Dean, what do you got next? Uh, earlier this month, uh, Blumhouse, as part of their Welcome to Blumhouse feature uh, and partnership with mm-hmm. Amazon, released the first four of what was supposed to be eight films uh, deal a deal with Amazon. Uh, those films came out earlier this month, uh, or last month actually, and uh, those films were called Nocturne, Evil Eye, Black Box, and The Eye. Uh, those were released onto onto Amazon. Uh, they have announced the titles of the next four uh, to complete the eight film uh, deal uh, for Welcome to Blumhouse. It's going to be called The Manor, Black is Night, Madras, and Bingo. And those are going to be coming out sometime in 2021. They'll all hit at the same time, but the release date uh, is not yet uh, exact. But if you've been into the Welcome to Blumhouse stuff, if anybody's checked any of that stuff out, I have not. Uh, there's right. going to be four more of those films on the way. Oh. Happy about I, that, uh, I want, uh, What's that? I mean, again, I, I want to watch the other three. I've watched one of them. I watched The Lie with Joey King. Um, mm. Out of all of the trailers, I felt like that one was probably the, the most genre-friendly of the films, it looked like it was the easiest to access without going into any kind of like, you know, mind bending, you know, elevated horror. It looked like it was just going to be a straightforward type of film with a thriller type of twist to it. Uh, I found it to be predictable. The acting through it was, was ho-hum. I mean, Joey King, 
was fine. You know, she's still a, she's a young up and coming actress. I think she's like 21, 23, something like that. Um, but the, the, the supporting cast around her just did not feel as solid. And again, the twist, it was something I said it at like the very beginning of the movie. I'm like, yeah, now this, this is what's going to happen. And sure as shit, it is what happened. Now, some of the stuff that goes on in between obviously isn't predictable, but you know, where it ended was, um, but you know, that being said, I sat there, I watched the whole film. Uh, the Google girl wasn't all that thrilled with it. Uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing, um, I think it's Nocturne. Um, that one kind of, for me anyway, seemed like something that, that would be in my wheelhouse that falls into the, you know, again, it looks like it's an elevated movie. Uh, and people Ooh. under the stairs was ni- 91. So it was before new nightmare. New nightmare was 94, okay. which is what I thought. No one gets, yeah. That's the no one stuff. I mean, Vampire in Brooklyn, I think, came after all those. So I think it had to. But that's another movie. I think I that came in between. <clears throat> Might have. I mean, that's another movie I, I keep recommending to people. You know, it's, it's better with time, you know, seeing Vampire in Brooklyn. I didn't like it when it first came out, but watched it recently. And it was a lot of fun. Yeah. That's why I never revisited it. <laughs> yeah, I, I watched it. Uh, like I said, young after age, New I Nightmare, it, but... 95. 95, okay, so that's only a year until Scream, so Craven in the 90s, it was all over the place, but um, yeah, I, I have to check out the Welcome to the Blumhouse movies, I haven't really caught up on any of them, I'm trying to watch Truth Seekers on Amazon, the Simon Pegg Truth Seekers? Yes, that's out there. I saw that's out there too, I haven't gotten to that yet, but I'm looking forward to checking yeah, some, of that, episodes, I might, might some of that out, I might some of that on later. Mm. Um, it's only eight episodes, a half hour each, uh, yeah, I'm like five episodes in, so I got three left, but it's a lot of fun. So, if you, you know, I think you'll enjoy it, Dean. But uh, what's next? There's a couple of news item, uh, news items uh, taking place in the world of The Walking Dead, which we talk about so frequently on the show. Uh, first, mm-hmm. uh, it's announced that an actress named Hillary Burton uh, is going to play Negan's wife in the special bonus episode that's going to... Uh, take a deep look into Negan. Uh, It's known from the comics that uh, before the apocalypse took place, uh, Negan, uh, his wife, uh, got very sick with cancer, uh, and it was known that he was having uh, affairs, and when she got sick, uh, he dropped his affairs to care for his wife as she died of cancer. Um, And his his wife's name was, surprise, surprise, Lucille. Uh, hence the name of his bat weapon. Uh, so uh, it's been said that, that those six uh, season 10 bonus episodes, each one is going to be a deep dive into a different character. Uh, we know for sure one is going to involve Maggie, and this is the second uh, piece of information or that slipped out about those where uh, this one of those is definitely going to be involving Negan. So uh, Negan, I feel, and uh, I would imagine that the ghoul uh, would agree with me as he's all caught up now, has continued to be one of the most interesting characters on the show uh, with how they've handled him. Uh, and I'll be curious to see this bonus episode and, and see what's what. Uh, I'm balls deep, yeah. man. I'm waiting. <laughs> you know, I want to know. Uh, yeah, I know they've, had, they've uh, had like slight hints here and there as to, as to his wife and stuff like that. Um, you know, there was conversations that he had with Alpha um, that also, you know, kind of hinted towards that. So them turning it now into an episode isn't a surprise. And it's, uh, 
Interesting to note that Hillary Burton is actually Jeffrey Dean Morgan's wife in real life. So oh, is she really? I didn't, I didn't know that. I must have, I must have overlooked that in, in the article. Wow. Oh, cool. Hillary Burton uh, cool. Morgan is her full name. Yep. So yeah. Apparently. Uh, so and, uh, maybe, maybe, maybe like a year or two ago, uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan was on the Stern show for a long interview. And, and apparently they have a pretty awesome uh, spread somewhere in upstate New York and have a pretty badass, awesome life up there. Um, Jeffrey Dean Morgan, oh, yeah. you know, aside from the character, seems to be a very interesting and, and certainly a cool dude. So, uh, yeah, they, uh, I didn't realize they, they that was a, his real life wife. They had a show on AMC for a little while called Saturdays with the Morgans, Saturday Nights with the Morgans, and it was at their place, and they would just have stories and talk about things. And yeah, their their estate's pretty nice. I mean, they've got a really good setup out there. Uh, you know what? You know, based on you know what the money they're making with The Walking Dead, I'm sure they can maintain that. But yeah, Jeffrey D. Morgan great as a comedian. Great as a comedian, he was great as Sam and Dean's dad on Supernatural. I mean, he had a short run in Grey's Anatomy that I really enjoyed. So yeah, he's always been a, a good actor. You know that I've always appreciated, and I'm glad he's getting that with uh, The Walking Dead. He's getting more fan base. Fucking so awesome on it, piece... man. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Dean. The second piece of Walking Dead news, which is pretty interesting, I guess uh, the Walking Dead uh, World Beyond first season uh, was going to be just is going to be just ten episodes, and I'm not sure what episode they're up to now because I haven't been watching it. Uh, but apparently, uh, there was this, there's a there's mm. a strong rumor uh, going around that perhaps uh, Rick is going to be in the final episode of the first season. Uh, it seems that. Uh, in the cast list for, the, for that episode on IMDb, uh, Andrew Lincoln uh, and Rick Grimes' name was in the cast list. Uh, it's since been removed, and AMC has completely denied uh, that this is going to be taking place. But uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know uh, why that would show, have ended up. Thank you for ruining the surprise. How do you know it's going to be a surprise, Ben? <laughs> like, what if well, I just believe that it was a mistake? <laughs> Now we just can't watch it. That was spoiled. Damn. What kind of logic <laughs> is that right there? You literally <laughs> just threw out a possible spoiler. Why else do you think AMC would take the name off the list if not for the fact because that it was, it was a, a mistake? Spoiler? It could have been a mistake, yes. Or it could have been a slipped error that somebody put in there because he actually is in the episode. Mm-hmm. Mm. Awkward silence. Spoiling, <laughs> mm. <laughs> <Yeah>. motherfucker. <laughs> Forget what you heard. It never happened. Of course, that, that Jedi magic. You're gone to spoilers you're looking for. <laughs> Why do you guys say it like Loomis? <laughs> <laughs> I know. That's my idea for Star Wars. Loomis is your Star everything Wars. You go to Lo- everything you go to Loomis, man. No matter. Saturday. I don't mm-hmm. I forget which night it was, whichever night it was. It was whatever night we rolled back. 
Um, so then I was like, you know, I put out my what I, I thought my my feelings were as far as like you know the the quality of the Halloween films and its subsequent sequels. Um, so I put on Halloween too. And I was like, yeah, okay, I'm going to fall asleep to this. Well, lo and behold, two hours later, there I am, still sitting wide awake. So finally, you know, I did put on, I did put on Halloween 4, and that is what put me to sleep. But my main point was I did eventually get around to putting on Halloween 6, the producer's cut. And I can still yeah. say wholeheartedly that that movie still sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I still have a soft spot for it. Always will. Doesn't matter how bad it is, I still have a soft spot for six. If and not for H two O, Resurrection, mm. and ho- Rob Zombie's second fucking Halloween movie, it would easily be the worst fucking Halloween film. But it's got three other films, uh, you know, that that follow. Wow. And it, they're hard. Wow. I, I, <laughs> I don't put zombies movies in there though, because zombies movies are kind of outside of it. They're, they're just its own thing. I go with that Fail. straight laced across, you know, from one to Resurrection. And I would if put I'm, Resurrection. If I'm going one to, to 2018, well, because like, you can't stop at Resurrection now. Now you got to stop at 2018 since, well, yeah. I mean, I don't know. That's, yeah, yeah, it's well, that continuity. Yeah. It's like the Star yeah, Wars. Well, it's like the Legends thing now, you know? So, like, four, five, <laughs> yeah. ten, they'll fall into, like, the Star Wars Legends canon, a fucking Hall- or the Halloween <laughs> Legends canon. But then, then at that point, <laughs> it's still third on that list as far as from fucking worst, because you're going to have six. H2O, and then Resurrection. And I might even put Resurrection in front of H2O simply for the fucking fact that, one, I like the beginning of Resurrection, and at least Resurrection gives me some laughs. H2O is just a boring fucking CW film. Yeah, it's hard to to go, like, because they're both equally fucking terrible. It's just that Resurrection has Busta Rhymes in it, and that automatically just raises Halloween Resurrection over H2O for me. As far as which one, yeah, I can't put Resurrection <laughs> over H2O, man. And I watched, I have to say, uh, I watched H2O in chunks like twice over the last week because it was on AMC like yeah. a thousand times. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I didn't kills. watch all, I didn't watch all of Resurrection, but I watched a big chunk of that once. And it's just, H2O is, you know, Terrible. certainly flawed, but it's far it and away better than Resurrection, in my opinion. Yeah, I would definitely agree there, and I think 2018 is pretty fucking bad, too. Yeah, but your I opinion mean, doesn't fucking that. count anymore because you're a spoiler, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> no, it still counts. It's fine. But no, I rewatched And I shouldn't talk about what they're doing with uh, Donald Pleasance's remains for Halloween ends. You don't want to hear that, then. You're like the rest of no. Pennsylvania's votes right now, okay? You don't count. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> we really don't. Nobody cares about us about the rain. Okay, I'll take yeah, my news and go home. Yeah. <laughs> oh, don't go home. It's just, he it's sl- funny he, though when you rewatch it. He, he, he slams his laptop yeah. shut and then storms out of his studio. Yeah. <laughs> just walk. That's it. That's it, guys. I'm out. You know? Fuck you guys. I'll see you next week. Do <laughs> your own, do your own is, fucking horror news. <laughs> it is pretty fucking great that when you rewatch the Halloween movies and you see how much Michael Myers does not give a fuck about Dr. Loomis, like, at all. Dr. Loomis is running around with his gun going, I gotta stop him, he's evil! And Michael's like, dude, get the fuck out of my way. Like, you're just standing <laughs> around and, like, I do not care about you. I'm trying to kill these teenagers and you're screaming at me. Isn't helping any. He just does not give two fucks about Lopez. Like, he doesn't try to hurt him. He just kind of stabs him a little bit in one, you know, just kind of hits him in another one. Like, and that's a stretch. I mean, 
the majority of the time, he's not even acknowledging that Loomis exists. You know what exactly. I mean? I, 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 I want to <laughs> yeah. almost like see if, there, if there's some kind of uh, correlation. Maybe Dr. Loomis is a figment of Michael Myers' imagination. Maybe no. what we're seeing is part of his mania. And Dr. Loomis is just that fucking, you know, how they, they, they always show like the angel and the devil on your shoulder type of deal. Maybe Loomis is just mm-hmm. that angel, you know, and he's always fucking yelling at him, you know, Michael, stop! And fucking, you know, but Michael just never does. <laughs> we don't it's even have to see the does. devil character the... because Michael is the devil character, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's just movie. all these movies, just him yelling at Michael the entire time while he's killing teenagers. Real effective. Oh, you're still here, woman? Sorry, just get out of my way a second. got to stab this big titty chick. Yeah. <laughs> Poor woman. You know. Great Helsing, but man, does he get ignored by his Frankenstein. His <laughs> Dracula. Just constantly ignored. Don't ignore me, Michael. You know, you can ignore me. I'm in your head, Michael. I'm always with you, Michael. You can't get rid of me, Dr. Loomis. Everywhere you turn, I'll be there, Michael. You need to be stopped, Michael. Poor Michael just smacking his head going, get out of it, get out of my head. He wouldn't kill people if it wasn't for Loomis telling him not to. I mean, that's the whole thing. Loomis is sitting there saying, don't do it, don't do it. And he's like, fuck you. Get out of my head. So so now it's Michael Myers killing out of spite. It's like not even like killing the bloodline. Now it's just out of spite. Because this old British man in the trench coat is telling me not to. I'm going to do it. You can't tell me what to do. <laughs> You're not my dad, Loomis. Get out of here. Get out of my room, Loomis. I'm going to whistle my voice as long as I want. Was, it was probably an illegal build the wall that would have kept Dr. Loomis out, and Michael Myers, the good American that he was, would have continued to do what he does well. Oh, man. Trump would have been all over Michael Myers. He would have been managing the shit of that story. This is what we get. Poor work over at Smith's Grove. They don't know how to manage. I could go in there and do it right now. That's how great I am. But Dr. Loomis can't do his job. walking around with a fucking MAGA hat on. You know what I mean? A white face and a fucking MAGA hat. He's good to go. How fitting. Just a jumpsuit that says Make America Great on the back. Ooh, we know how he leans. Oh, anyway, what else? All right, Dean. What else do we have? <laughs> we can go on this all we, night, but yeah, what else do we have, Dean? Uh, the we, Hellraiser. Legal in New Jersey. Oh, yes, we. it is. Uh, so Hellraiser <laughs> is returning uh, as a series for HBO. Uh, this is not going to be a remake. It's going to assume the past <laughs> mythology. Uh, Clive Barker is executive producing. And... <laughs> David Gordon Green is going to be directing a batch of the episodes. So there's something interesting going on, and I don't know exactly what it is, but with the rights to Hellraiser, uh, it's possible yeah. that as of December, on December 21st, it's possible that Clive Barker is going to regain control of all of the rights to Hellraiser, uh, which will supercharge the, the HBO series, because apparently there's uh, uh, spy, Spyglass um, Entertainment is trying to get a, some kind of Hellraiser movie uh, off the ground. Mm-hmm. And if uh, Barker gets control of the rights, uh, that might be curtains for that film project. But apparently with Clive Barker, there is going to be a series for HBO. Which Hopefully you know, it's better than Books of Blood. 
Yeah. Well, the movie and the series on Hulu were pretty disappointing, but yeah, I don't know. It's it's weird to see him get the rights back and hopefully do it right. But yeah, David Gordon is writing the movie, and then you have the series. But David Gordon Green, oh, let's get out of here. Like we just talked about Halloween 2018, and he kind of fucked it up. So. <laughs> you got to fuck up Hellraiser too. Poor Pinhead. They've been doing plenty of good job fucking up Hellraiser on their own for like twenty just, something yeah, years. Yeah, I'm saying that. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. over that, that, I, I 100% support that message. You know, as far as David Gordon Green goes, I don't know how much I would fault him for the stuff that occurred in Halloween 2018. I honestly think that, you know, again, like we spoke about prior to that movie's release when everybody was busy talking it up. You know, oh, well, this is going to be it. This is going to be the end. There's not going to be a sequel. We're building this film with just this movie in mind, and that's it. This is going to be like the the final thing. And what did we all say? We all said, well, you know what's going to happen is if it does well in the box office, there's going to be sequels. And sure as shit, the movie did great in the box office, and what do we have? We have fucking sequels. I think he tried to build whatever he could out of what they were giving him while also them throwing at him, well, you have to put things into place in case we make another movie. And he's busy trying to make a movie that's just a standalone film. It's almost like Ryan Johnson with the fucking Last Jedi. You know, here's the keys to the Star Wars kingdom. We want you to do whatever it is that you want to do. You want to get imaginative? Do something different. Do something crazy. And then when he does it, they were like, holy fuck, nobody liked this fucking thing, man. So you suck, you're out, see you later. Um, <laughs> you know, but don't tell the guy that he can fucking do anything then. You know, if you want him to adhere to a strict type of script or story type, then fucking tell him that. You know, instead they wanted to let him do whatever he wanted to do. I personally kind of like The Last Jedi. You know, it's one of those that it, each time I watch it, I like it a little more and a little more. I still think the Casino Planet thing needs to go, though. That, that's a fucking no-no. It's a total waste <laughs> of fucking time <laughs> and energy. But with but 2018 Halloween, Halloween, I liked it. <clears throat> well, Dan McBride, when he was being interviewed for Halloween 2018, said, well, we already got all these scripts ready to go. We just have to see how successful Halloween 2018 is going to be. Then we could just make these other movies. So they had plans. It's not like the studio said, this is a hit, guys. What do you got next? They already knew what they were going to do next. They already oh, had sequels planned. You know, so it's like, yeah. I mean, saying that they're not, that this isn't going to go any further, that this is going to be it. And I remember that being a whole thing yeah. fucking to do, and all of us being like, yeah, right. You know, money fucking, money's money, man. Look, if the fucking movie's yeah. going to make a lot of fil- make a lot of fucking scratch, then by all means, of course they're going to make a sequel. Now, do we hope that the sequel is at least somewhat decent as compared to that film? Yes, but it also depends on how you felt about that said film. Well, in that yeah. particular realm, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis has said uh, that this, uh, that Halloween Kills is going to be a timely masterpiece. Uh, mm. She said that Halloween kills. She said it's about a mob. She said it's about the power uh, of rage in voices and big groups of people coming together enraged at circumstances. And she said that this wow. is something that was written before everything going on in the world right now. Uh, and it's you know about how trauma affects an entire uh, community and that it's going to be really, really intense. I don't know if any of you watched the little teaser, uh, but there yep, was, there was one yes. image, uh, there was one little clip in the teaser that was I thought was a pretty fucking little awesome glimpse of violence. And like, apparently this is going to be a pretty violent movie. You know, that's what they've been saying. So uh, I oh, liked yeah. what I saw in that little clip with that little splatter. And 
again, you know, we'll see what happens. I know we're all going to see it. You know, we can argue about it and oh, yeah. whatever, but we're all going to fucking see it. And, and I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I, yeah, I mean, it just, they, I saw the teaser. I saw that uh, David Curtis compared it to Black Lives Matter because it's mob mentality. And, but in realistic, like, in realistic terms, would a fucking town like Haddonfield give a fuck about Michael Myers killing, like, three teenagers in 2018? Like, I wouldn't yeah. raise an eyebrow if it fucking happened here. I'd be like, okay, wow, kids got killed. That happens. I wouldn't grab a bat and be like, that motherfucker's got to go. Like, <laughs> what are you doing? Why do you yeah, care no, about so you got Well, but you got to remember, like, we still haven't dealt, we haven't been introduced to uh, all of the characters uh, that are coming back from the original film and seeing how they've been managing their experience going back to 1978. We've only dealt with Jamie Lee Curtis. We know that we're going to see all of these characters from 1978 and see what their fallout is. So for uh, the, the perpetrator to come back, you have a town that dealt with this and has had it living in within them for all of this time. So it'll be interesting to see how, how, how that plays out. And that we got to remember that that's going to be a part of the story. All of those characters from the original film. Considering who he's killed in the 2018 film as well. So you've got more people that have now been murdered, you know, being that we just, you know, to sit there and be like, yeah, you know, I mean, if that just happened, I wouldn't think I'd, you know, it's funny, but I, I could totally 100% see something like this occurring today. And the reason why I'm going to say that is, you know, just, you know, about, I guess, what, a year ago was when that Michelle Parsi girl, or no, Stephanie Parsi, disappeared here in New Jersey, um, right out of her home over in Freehold. And there were months of people organizing search parties, checking all over. I could almost guarantee you that if we had a situation in which there was somebody like this, where it was like a localized area in which he's picking off kids as a, like, you know, as like a mass murder or a community. serial killer, there would absolutely be a community gathering of people that would be fucking armed to the teeth trying to find this person. You know, if that many people yeah, organize I mean, just to find somebody that's missing, I can only imagine how many people are going to organize to try to find somebody that's killing their fucking children. I mean, they showed it in Halloween. We kind of we kind of walked right through it one school. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. We kind of drunk. We kind of drunk. We drunkenly stumbled right through it, man. <laughs> we uh-huh. fucking clicking, clicking our throats and pounding the crazy horse and walked right fucking through it. I mean, as far as the mob mentality goes, they they did it in Halloween too. You know, with Doctor Loomis and Sheriff Hunt outside of, of the the Myers house and people throwing rocks at it and going, "Oh fuck him, man!" Like you know, but they weren't grabbing bats and trying to find Michael. They were just kind of pissed off that he killed a couple well, four people. Four as well, right? Where they got the or was that five? Whichever one. Yeah, of they those got the two red. Two yeah, the redneck posse. Part four. Rednecks getting together. Yeah, the redneck posse in part four, and then you have Tommy Doyle return in part six. So yeah, we had a returning character from the original one. And he's just, oh, man, I'm obsessed with Michael, and that's what he's going to do. Except now you have Anthony Michael Hall as Tommy Doyle. And I was like, eh, okay. That's yeah, fine. I wish I would have brought back you know, Paul Rudd. I love Paul Rudd. You know what? He's great. too happy I of would've... a person to bring back in the role. We need somebody angry and bitter. And you know what? Anthony Michael Hall is angry and bitter. At least he looks like he is. Yeah, and all the shots that I've seen of him in his sweater and his baseball bat, you know, just kind of hanging out in the streets of Haddonfield. I was like, he's going to get it first. I just, I just want to see Michael just kill off Tommy Doyle for good. Just like, you know, well, I'm, no, I'm, hoping, 
I'm hoping for a sequence similar to like the Matrix Reloaded, where it was Neo versus all of the fucking Agent Smiths. Like, I want to see Michael Myers tearing up just this entire group of fucking people, where they're like just mobbing <laughs> on top of him and he's just mauling through him, you know? Bah, 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 bah. <laughs> just have a huge dog pile, and then just Michael just emerges victorious. Yeah, I mean, look, based oh hell yeah, based on what they said, one of the things that I'm, mo- that I think maybe what I'm most interested to see is how much bloodshed they actually deliver. Yeah. And I think, like they've been saying, it's supposed to be a violent one, and we saw the teaser, like the Dean had just said, you know, kind of some good blood splatter, but, you know, less is more in that teaser. I'm hoping for a better one next year, you know, to, to fully kind of flesh out what we're going to see. But it was a nice teaser to I'd kind like, of get you amped up for Halloween kills. I'd like to see more of the violence that we saw perpetrated in the bathroom sequence in the 2018 film and oh, less that. Yeah. of the <laughs> head squishing type of stuff like we saw occur to the doctor in that same movie. Oh, that was so just, uh, Michael could stomp a skull, but he can't break through a wooden floor in Laurie's house. It doesn't make <laughs> sense. I mean, that's just, you know. Well, he yeah. apparently did then, break through the floor because there's another movie. <laughs> well, yeah, because he he got set into a fire and an unimpenetrable basement. But yeah, he's back. He's back for Halloween Kills. And then well, sprinkling he was waiting the for the, the fire to burn through uh, the wood. Okay, so that it weakened <laughs> yeah. the structure of the wood, so that he can then emerge from it victorious. It would be great to see Michael in that basement shit posting about Loomis on Wikipedia. This guy's fucking gay. <laughs> what a loser! His little fucking goatee. The guy was a pussy. He couldn't handle the Myers. I'm just waiting for this fire to burn out, guys. Catch me on my Facebook live stream. Hashtag Myers rules. Myers takes to Twitter. <laughs> Loomis is a communist. <laughs> Doing TikTok videos like in the Hitler. basement. <laughs> TikToking with the fire behind him. It's getting hot in here. <laughs> Just the wait for the fire the to burn out, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, guys. I'm totally going to stab Lori. Don't you worry. I'm going to stream it later at the hospital. going to take her bitch ass out. <laughs> All right, Dean, so what else do you have to harden? Six years ago, uh, Adam McDonald uh, wrote and directed and starred, along with an actress named Missy Peregrine, in a film that we covered on the show as my pick a couple years back called Backcountry, uh, where Adam McDougall and Missy Peregrine's characters uh, get a little mixed up in the woods and uh, ultimately get stalked uh, by a bear. Uh, that was uh, written in uh, directorial debut for Adam uh, McDonald. And he is back, and he is directing another uh, kind of outdoor film. This one is called Outcome the Wolves. Uh, and it is once again uh, going to star uh, Missy Peregrine. Uh, the plot of this film is going to be she's going with her uh, friend who is a guy uh, to a cabin to introduce her best friend to her fiancé, uh, who obviously are going to have static, but they're going to decide to go. They're going to decide to go out on a deer hunt together. And they're going to find themselves uh, face-to-face with a group of wolves, uh, wolves, 
so the the male lead thus far has been uncasted, uh, but filming is expected to begin next June. So, uh, you know, I, we covered Backcountry. I liked it. I didn't think it was great. I thought uh, he shot the outdoors beautifully, but, uh, you know, I'll be interested to check this one out. I like those kind of outdoor adventure animal films. Could be fun. Okay. All right, let's go. So that's happening. Uh, also in the world of wolves, uh, which we'll cover in just a second. But first, Neil Marshall, uh, who I haven't actually thought about in quite some time, uh, the creator of one of my favorites, Dog Soldiers. Uh, his next project uh, is going to be called uh, The Lair. And in The Lair, uh, an Air Force pilot is going to uh, escape an Afghanistan bunker where he had come face to face with some mutant man-made biological weapons, but unknowingly he is going to end up bringing uh, these back to uh, the U.S. base uh, where all mayhem uh, will be uh, taking place. So another kind of creature feature type film from Neil Marshall. But on the heels of that news, uh, Neil Marshall has talking about finally wanting to return to the world of dog soldiers. Uh, he said that him and Kevin McKidd have talked about some different ideas. He said right now there's more of a chance than ever of something happening with dog soldiers. They said one of the ideas uh, that they've talked about is that uh, the character of Cooper uh, for the last 18 years has been in a mental hospital because he's been doing nothing but screaming about how there's werewolves in the forest uh, and of course, nobody believes him and thinks he's a maniac, so they keep him locked up. But ultimately, uh, the werewolves are going to come back, and uh, Cooper once again is going to have to face off uh, with his nemesis. So that's one potential plot idea. Uh, but I would love to see more dog soldiers. I think that's a super fun film. Fan of that one. Hmm. Yeah, I haven't seen that since we covered it on the show. I'll have to revisit that sometime. One of those that I, I love dog soldiers. Really given a chance to. <laughs> it's so great. We watched that. We watched that together long ago, before way before the show. Mhm. Yeah, I remember it. I have a vague remembrance of that movie, but I'll revisit it too. Yeah, I do like Neil Marshall. I mean, I, I, the descent grew on me. I didn't like it when it first came out, but I'm going to of it. And Doomsday is also uh, a really good one. It was I'm so picky movie. on fucking werewolf films, so it's very rare when one comes out that I really, really fucking enjoy. You know, for me, it's always you know, Tops is always an American werewolf in London. Uh, and Dog Soldiers kind of kind of follows up with that, you know. It, it's the the next one down, if not third. Yeah, I would put Ginger Snaps up there though, top three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ginger Snaps mm-hmm. is super fun. Ginger Snaps is fantastic, man. <laughs> Isabel is so hot. She just had a birthday. <laughs> she's still so hot. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like she's timeless. You know, never grows old. <laughs> She's in one of those uh, those series on Netflix um, or Amazon. I don't know something. It's got something to do with witches and werewolves and, and shit like that. I thought the order it might be. Um, and yeah, oh, okay. she's, she's, she's she's so great in that. She's she's super bitchy, and you know she's she's definitely got that whole dominatrix vibe thing going there. It's like she's like the headmistress or whatever, and it's just like, oh, beat me, please. <laughs> Tell me when. <laughs> Tell me when. <laughs> Don't stop. Just go harder. You'll like it. Okay. <laughs> Aren't you going to use the safe word? Aw, oh, bitch. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> I didn't say stop. Jeez, I'm kind of getting tired. I didn't say stop. Kick me in the gym. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Dean, what's next? 
what is next? That's a very good question. What is next is that Friday the 13th, the game uh, is going to be receiving its final patch. Uh, the servers are going to be decommissioned on November 20th, and it's going to revert back to uh, the peer-to-peer um, matching uh, for quick play lobbies. Uh, the database servers will stay active, uh, and that will house all player progressions and unlocks so users continue, can continue to play. Uh, the finalized patch notes are going to be uh, released shortly. But uh, the game will live on. It's still available, but uh, all kind of support and whatever will be, will be closing down. That's a shame. And a lot of potential. Yeah, but that's one of the, the that's, that's a huge problem I have with video games and buying video games is more and more of them are becoming you know straight up you know PvP stuff online, and once the support goes down, then you can't play the game anymore. Well, no, I mean they're not discontinuing your ability to play the game. They're just changing some of the, uh, I guess some of the the, the changes. Yeah, that's they what I just said, the matchmaking goes. Um, the actual servers will continue to run. Uh, unfortunately, this has got a lot to do with the whole, all the shit that they locked down on Friday the 13th. So they just don't have yeah. the ability to do anything with it. So it's just, you know, it's just going to languish. Um, you know, I know they eventually set up where you can play single player with that game now. But I don't, you know, I never even bothered trying it. I probably should because, you know, the couple of times I played online, like twice, um, you know, where I did so poorly that I was like, yeah, I don't even want to fucking bother trying to figure out the mechanics of this game. I think Samantha, the 10-year-old in the house, has played more of that game than I have. You know, she told me the other day, she's like, I should download it again so that we can play together. Um, you know, it's, uh, it, it is just, just a shame because, yes, a lot of games do have these, these online components that, yeah, you have to have a connection. They have to have their servers running in order for them to go. You're, believe me, you're singing to the choir with that because fucking, you know, I dealt with that with that one Marvel game where I lost fucking 400-something fucking dollars of investment into that fucking game only for them to, to not only shut it down, but to shut it down to the point that the game isn't, like, playable. It's not even active, and that was only after about four months of the game running. And, you know, got no refund, got no money back, no nothing. Uh, wow. Meanwhile, people that fucking started playing two weeks after I did got all their money back, you know, so, so go fucking figure. Uh, but yeah, so, so it does suck, but it is what it is. I think the online component is what made that game interesting. I don't, I don't know how else you make a single player Friday the 13th game fun because you either got to be Jason killing people or you got to be the counselors trying to kill Jason. And we all tried that in the NES game and it didn't work out very well. <laughs> Man, I went back and played that on my um, mini Nintendo. And that game is so fucking hard. <laughs> it's just impossible. It's not that it's hard. It's bad, and it's impossible. There's no beating it. You can't win. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right, so, no, Dean, what else you got in horror news? So, we had talked last week about how the Craft Legacy uh, had hit the world to... Um, be viewed, and uh, some news today from the original craft. So Rachel True, uh, who was the African-American actress in the original craft, has shared some information uh, about how she felt discriminated against uh, on the set of the original craft uh, uh, film. She said that uh, none of this people don't like any of, uh, uh, She was more implying that people don't like black people. Um, but oh. 
Uh, she did say that none of this came yeah. from anyone in front of the camera, but she said that behind the scenes, uh, that her character actually was originally supposed to be white. Uh, she was told mm-hmm. uh, to watch her behaviors, that she can't get away with the kind of stuff that somebody like Faruja Balk uh, could have and that she would get fired. Uh, and she said that she was also uh, singled out behind the camera and that she also uh, was not included in any of the publicity uh, as uh, to the level that her co-stars were. So while she realizes that she was a young actress just being in and her co-stars had uh, some play already, um, she did say that she felt some uh, discrimination uh, when filming the original craft. Look at me. Wow. I mean, I'm sorry. It's 24 fucking years after the film came out. So, you know, you're telling me now that these are all things that have come to the surface. I mean, come on, man. I mean, do, do I think some parts of it is probably true? Yes. But I think the majority of it is probably fucking attention-seeking behavior here. You know, I mean, Feruza Balk, you know, for whatever minimal career that she had prior, she did have some clout prior. Um you know, Nev. Not, yeah, it was Nev Campbell was up and coming, and yeah. so was uh, Robin Tooney. You know, they were both actresses that Hollywood were was pushing like crazy at the time. I would think any actress in that film, you know, none of us would know who Rachel True is today if it wasn't for the craft. What else was she in in the years in between that was as big as that movie? Half baked. Okay. Yeah. Mary Jane. And again, that's a stoner comedy that is literally targeted to one very specific demographic. Stood the test of time. <laughs> okay, but again, well, um, was that also was that before or after the craft? That was that after the might craft. Have been 95. Was it really? Yeah. Are you sure? That fake was 98. I'm looking was at it right really? here, man. The craft wow. was in 1996 yeah. and half-baked was in 1998. That is weird, because I remember fucking Pills and all of them watching Half-Baked all the time, and I wasn't hanging out with them in 98. Well, that's when it was released. That's weird. I had my kids in 98. You did? I mean, you can say what you want about, you know, Rachel True and and her her comments on it, but at the same time, I kind of don't blame her for saying what she has to say about it, because her character was an African-American in a a purely white school, and I thought that they could have played with that a little bit more than they did. Um, and they just, her character is just kind of a, a basic character where it's not really colored. I mean, she could easily be played by a white actress. And I think that they could have she played with it a lot She was in too. Yeah, she was. <laughs> but they didn't really go there with that, and they didn't really go as far as I would hope that they would, but, you know. They could have put Stacey Dash in the role, and it probably would have been better. No, not now. Stacey Dash is way too far right for any of that stuff now. <laughs> one of the, one of the uh, what's her name? And... Will Smith's wife. Yeah, I mean, any number of people. Do you I don't think know. It? Again, I, th- I think that, you know, I think as the time goes on, whenever I see any of these actors or actresses, whether it's a guy, girl, doesn't matter, whether they're white, black, whatever it is, when it's 20. 30 fucking years after the fact, it just, it amazes me that with all these other people always coming out, saying something, doing something, you know, constantly in society, we're like, you know, come forward, say shit, we'll believe you, we'll believe you. And here we are 26 years later, and now you're coming out about it. It just, just seems weird. I think it seems even weirder that it's coming right on the heels 
of the release of the new film. Is she in the new film? I haven't watched it. I've heard nothing but terrible things about it. No, it's a terrible movie, and she's not in it. <clears throat> there's a, a surprise at the end, uh, which is just, you know it's coming, and you're just kind of waiting for it, and then it happens, and you're like, okay, the movie's over, so I can move on with my life. It's a fucking terrible... <laughs> but that surprise it's, is not Rachel True, correct? No, it's not. They don't. It's just, you see it coming, and you're like, I'm just waiting for this 90 minutes to be over so I can see it, okay. I can say it happened, and then move on. But there's a whole I, lot of movies. I, think I, I think I know what you're talking about. Again, I didn't see the movie, but I saw the trailers, and I kind of think I know exactly yeah, what you're talking away. about. But, being that, but it's yeah. not her. So as, as saying, you know, it could also simply be I'm fucking sore that they didn't stick me in the new movie. Could be. But Robin Tunney doesn't care, obviously, or Nev Campbell. I mean, Nev Campbell did actually, but she did do an interview where she said she wasn't happy about it, so. I'm sure she wasn't happy about the fucking movie, but you know what? She also has a career. She's got Scream 5 coming out. You know, I don't know what Robin Tommy does these days. I don't know. Just hoping for an Empire Records sequel? I don't know. She's she never, you know what, though? She was one of those actresses that I think just loved to perform. You know what I mean? So I think mm-hmm. that's why she always took, like, risks with the roles that she took. Like, Empire Records. You know, beautiful girl. And what does she do? She goes and shaves her entire head. You know, so it's like one of those those weird things with her. You know, like I always felt that with that actress. So surprised yeah. that she never went bigger. But you know what? Those weird ones sometimes don't. You know, they look like they're poised to do a big thing, and they just don't don't ever have that role that does it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. All right, then what else do you have? The uh, episode last week we talked about all of the different. Uh, table reads that were going to be going on leading up to Halloween. And one that we talked about was a original cast reading uh, table read of the original Fright Night. And uh, Mm -hmm. it seems that the original screenwriter, Tom Holland of Fright Night has announced that he is writing uh, a direct sequel, Fright Night Uh, (laughs) 2. Unfortunately, he's actually calling it Resurrection. Uh, Fright Night 2 Resurrection. Uh, he says that the reason he's calling that is calling it that is because Billy Cole and Jerry Dandridge are going to be resurrected. He said that if you want this to be done, you have to do it right and you have to do it yourself, and that's why he's doing it, and that he will say no more. So Tom Holland is hard at work on Fright Night 2. Uh-huh. And... <laughs> and... Nice. Uh, just, just, uh, just yeah. to attend to that, man. Robert Tunney actually uh, was a main character on The Mentalist from 2008 to 2015. So she, she's been busy still. Yeah, I never watched no. it. Either. It wasn't an episode of her <laughs> show that I know the dean really enjoyed as well, uh, Insatiable, which was really funny on Netflix. What an insatiable show! <laughs> Is All that right, the one with so. the beauty queens? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I, I watched like the half of the first season and then just kind of drifted away. Uh, yeah, no, I know they made a second season. We watched about like one episode of that, and it was, uh, I don't know, maybe it was the time between or if we just had other shit that came up. But it, it's one of those like real dark comedies, real twisted fucking funny stuff. That really fucked up <laughs> yeah. by the end of that first season. Okay, so what else you fucking sitting there all quiet, looking at each other? No, that's it, man. 
All right, that's, that's it. it. That's a wrap for our news. So let's get into move tonight. Sinister from 2012, directed by Scott Derrickson. Why don't you kick this off, Ghoul, since this is your pick? Sure. Uh, again, there was a, <laughs> an article in Forbes magazine recently that uh, that gave us what the scientifically scariest films are, you know, based on people's oh, oh, uh, oh. heartbeats per minute while watching said films. Um, while, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday the 13th, films like that all landed somewhere on the list. Uh, the, the, the film that was the ipso facto scariest movie on this entire, you know, entire thing, keeping people's, you know, heart rate elevated throughout the whole film. Didn't get the biggest jump scare. That went to Insidious, um, but Sinister uh, from 2012 was the number one film on it. So in, you know, in the, the, the essence of science, you know, I, I would like to know, I've never seen this film before. Uh, somehow it's like one of those that just constantly escaped me. It eluded me. It'd be on and I'd watch something else or, you know, I'd be like, ooh, sinister. And then, yeah, no, I'm good. It, it just always felt like it was just one of those <laughs> horror films that was just like Insidious and The Conjuring and like all of those. So I just pretty much ignored it. Um, so, yeah, I, it, it, this this film is about Ethan Hawke uh, moving into a house as a true crime writer. And uh, and some of the shit that goes on around him and his kids. And there you go. Uh, whether or not this is the scariest fucking movie I've ever seen, I'm still waiting to see. Sinister. Hmm. <laughs> what about right. you? Uh, so being, what did yeah. you think about science and sinister? Okay. Ding. Fuck yeah. you. How about you, mother? <laughs> Uh, no, I'm sorry. I didn't realize. I, 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 I didn't hear my name. I thought you were talking to somebody else. I, felt so. uh, I mean, look, uh, interesting concept. I don't know that uh, it's hard. I feel like it's hard for any of us to sit here and say, oh, uh, some movie is so scary. Like over the last and in our whole lives. Yes. But over over the last several years since we have, uh, you know, relaunched the show, like we've watched hundreds of fucking horror movies. And in our original uh, incarnation, we watched two movies every week and watched hundreds of more. Like, we, 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 there's plenty that we haven't seen. Uh, but I, I don't like to use the word jaded, but, like, what, what kind of plot, uh, what kind of scares, like, what kind of situation have we not seen before where any of us are going to watch and, like, be, like, gripping the fucking nightstand or the blanket being, oh, my God, I'm so scared. I mean, look, Sinister was it was an effective, like an effective kind of <laughs> an effective, an effective kind of thriller. Um, you know, Ethan Hawke's performance as the true crime writer was was fine. Uh, it had an interesting story that kept me engaged and everything. But like, I, I don't know that I'm gonna go ahead and and claim that this is the scariest movie uh, that that that's ever been made. Uh, I know you talked about the the numbers. Uh, Ghoul, I actually do have in front of me uh, the other films uh, that were on the list, mm-hmm. and that uh, you know that the including Insidious, The Conjuring, Hereditary, Paranormal Activity, It Follows, The Conjuring Two, The Babadook, The Descent, The Visit, The Ring, A Quiet Place, Nightmare on Elm Street, Halloween, Texas Chainsaw, Twenty Eight Days Later, The Exorcist, Hush It and Scream, and then there was like a few more like there was like. 21 through 35, like kind of honorable mentions. I'm not going to read off all of those. Um, 
you know, so this kind of heart rate and jump scare monitor concept was interesting and everything. Uh, but I mean, am I going to say Sinister is the scariest movie I've ever seen? I'm not going to say that. No. But I like who it. I are the like people? Watching. Like, who are the people in the audience? You know what I mean? Like, that's yeah. what I want to know. I want to know, like, did they did they get a bunch of virgin people? Is it a mixed crowd? Like, like, what is it? What was the the what what status was needed for you to be a part of this study? Here it says. Uh, they ran something called the Science of Scare Project to find out the official scariest movie ever made. Per the story, they tracked the heart rates of 50 people of a variety of ages. Uh, that's all it said. Um, all of the tracking uh, was done for the 35 movies. It was 100 hours of scary movies, but it just says 50 people of a variety of ages. It doesn't say uh, where these people came from, like how many like these kinds of films they'd seen before. Uh, and that, that, that information might be somewhere, but it's not where I'm looking. Uh, like, so wait a minute, I'm they made the same that. 50 people watch all of these movies? Like that right yes. there kind of kills the whole experiment. Because like, once that you see one, grind you it kind of fucks up the other. You know what I mean? Like if you see, like, yeah. like I said, like the reason why I've, I've avoided Sinister is because I've seen Insidious. I've seen The Conjuring. I've seen films of yeah. this ilk. Yeah. You know, and like do I, of course, do I watch multiple films within our genre and there are movies that are like movies. Yeah, of course. But I also watched fucking the first Friday the 13th umpteen billion times. You know, A so, billion times, like, it's, it's, yeah. Yeah, it says, it's like silliness. You know, you can't have the same... Watching... Like, this needs to yeah. be a better fucking experiment is what it needs to be. Watching each movie in 5.1 surround sound, our panel of 50 people consumed over 120 hours of the best horror movies, each fitted with a heart rate monitor to measure which movies got their blood pumping to find out the ultimate horror movie and crown the king of Friday. Fucking eye wow. holders okay. like Malcolm McDowell and fucking uh, <laughs> Hawkwork Orange. Hawkwork <laughs> Orange, which I would yeah. like us to can't cover one day. We will. Nut we'll shockers on them. It's on my list. But, uh, all right, uh, Monkey, what do you think about Sinister? Um, yeah, th- this movie going in, it's like, never seen it before, I, I get excited because I heard about, you know, when we talked about the experiments, so I was like, alright, cool, um, it's got Ethan Hawke in it, I actually like watching Ethan Hawke, um, I love Ethan Hawke, it, yeah, it's just my my favorite movies of his were Great Expectations and Gattaca, so <laughs> I, I enjoy watching Explorers. them on screen, at the, at the, fucking yeah, Explorers, dude. man, <laughs> It's like he's a really good actor at just being just an actor on the screen and not trying to hog up the screen. Um, or Sunrise. He, he, <laughs> yeah, but I'm saying he's a really good just working actor. Um, but yeah, this movie is kiss like, him. you know... <laughs> yeah, but but it's you know, it. supposed to be like a ghost movie kind of thing. <laughs> um, and it... You know, while Ethan Hawke was in it, he wasn't really the star. Definitely the snuff films for me were the stars of this movie. It's just, this movie definitely had a feel to it. It definitely engaged me. It definitely sucked me in. It's like, I didn't realize that, you know, because King, you know, I'm a fucking chimney when I watch movies and I just chain smoke like a motherfucker. Um, yeah. Like, I was like sitting there and you gotta end that, it was buddy. over an hour. <laughs> and it was just over an hour. <laughs> I was over an hour into the movie, and I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> you know, so it definitely does a great job of pulling you in. It has a, a you know, a really nice twisty little feel to it that makes it <clears throat> a fun little horror movie. But 
it's also super fucking chill. It's like, you know, I was relaxed as hell. The diva was relaxed as hell. And she was like, this is supposed to be one of the, the scariest movies of all time. I was like, according to Horst. because you guys smoked, <laughs> smoked the reefer beforehand, man. And you can't yeah. do that. <laughs> I don't touch that shit, man. Should. I can't afford to. You, gotta have, you, have, to got, you have to have the right kind, <laughs> at least, man. You, gotta, you can't go with the indica. You can't have something that's going to make you relax, man. You need something to make no, you no. jumpy. <clears throat> No, no, the, the, no, the diva's got some I-95, <laughs> and that that gets your heart racing and turns you stupid, but no, <clears throat> but yeah, it's, it, it, it was fun, but you know, okay. not, not that shit. <laughs> so King, what did you think of this movie, man? Yeah, I mean, I, I saw this in the theater when it came out in 2012. Um, I was kind of excited Sorry. for it because it seemed like it would be something new. No, I, I was happy to go see it because again, like Ethan Hawke, Reality Bites is my Ethan Hawke movie. But um, I just I, I really did appreciate the aesthetic of the film, but it was kind of draining to see movies like Insidious and The Conjuring also come out that also have that same kind of drain feel with the color palette and everything that's within it as far as ghost stories go. Um, well, this movie you know, as far as the, I, films King, 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 hold on, let, let, King, let King finish. <laughs> okay, fine, finish. Yeah, I know because he's going to give me the cinematographer's name and his credits, but um, no, it, just, it was one of those movies that's a good respected ghost story. But yeah, I enjoyed it overall. Horror is subjective, so what's scary to somebody else isn't going to be scary to me. So I just I hate it when mm-hmm. somebody says this is the scariest movie of all time. It's not. You can't name the scariest movie of all time because horror is subjective. You know, vampires might scare somebody else, but zombies scare somebody else. It just there's no such thing as the scariest movie of all time. There's just scary. And movies. some people are scared of Maximum Overdrive. You know. I'm sure there are a lot of people that are scared of it. Yeah. I'm sure there's somebody out there that is scared of, of machines and yeah. <laughs> What were you going to say? Uh, uh, Dean, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was just one thing that I said as far as like the color palette was concerned. I found that um, I found some of it to be a little bit too dark when I couldn't exactly see uh, what was going on. Mm-hmm. It, it's too dark in some spots, especially the nighttime scenes. A little bit too dark for my taste. You know, where he's going outside and you're trying to figure out what's going on. You know, then inside the house and he's got the flashlight. But that's to keep you lost, man. You know what I think kind of kills this film for me, too, is it feels like it's the fucking ring. You know, like, just it has more kids in it, that's all. That's what the guy that wrote this movie watched, uh, Cargill, when he wrote the script. He watched The Ring, he had a nightmare, and he said, I got an idea for a movie. And that's where Sinister (laughs) came from. So, good on you, Google, for noticing that. (laughs) um, Yeah. Well, that's probably where the whole kid in the box thing. <laughs> so, so the one thing I'll say about the darkness, yes, you know, was it a dark movie? It was absolutely. But you know, I uh, I, I recently came across a, uh, a a new addition to my household, which is this gigantic fucking television, and this was the first movie <laughs> that I actually watched on this gigantic fucking television. And I'll tell you what, it's easy to get past the darkness factor when you're sitting in front of a TV that looks like a fucking movie screen when you're in my tiny little yeah, living room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've got the Death Star TVs and I'll set up your house. I kind of do, kind of do, man. I'm like, yeah, like I was sitting there like fucking like worried today. I was like, I was ready. I was going to play a video game on it. And I'm like, fuck, like what, like, what game do I christen it with? I, I couldn't even decide. I stopped. And so I shut the fucking system down. I put on a movie. <laughs> then, I like, then, his, then his neck, then his neck got tired because he kept having to look so far left and so far right when he's trying to sit there. <laughs> I got to, I got to like look across the fucking thing. That's it. That's what the cool girl said. She's like, it's kind of fucking weird. It's like, you got to fucking actually shift yourself to like fucking see shit. <laughs> 
Fucking ridiculous. Um, Again, it's, it's not my thing, man. Like, look, the reality is this: if I if I didn't have to fucking not, pay, if there was if the cost of it wasn't zero, I wouldn't own it right now. So, yeah, but <laughs> being being that that was what the fucking price was, it was kind of hard to pass up. Understood, mm. brother. <laughs> I'm thinking of putting a fucking toll booth in front of my house, and if I open the front <laughs> windows, I think I could charge people to watch it. From the front of the house, like a drive-in. <laughs> yeah, but what were you saying, King? <laughs> I was going to say, with, with, with the movie, you have Ellis and Oswald and his family moving into this house, which is clearly the, the scene of a murder. And when he first gets there, you have Fred Thompson as the sheriff basically saying, you know, this is in poor taste. We know what you did with your other book, Kentucky Blood. We know it was a huge hit. But don't pull that shit here. Like, oh, of course, Sheriff. And he's got that snooty tone of a writer who's just, he knows he's going to dig deep into this case. Of course, not telling his wife that they're moving into a murder home. No, not at all. It's fine. You know, we're just going to glaze over that fact because i got to write this book real quick because I haven't had a hit since Kentucky Blood, and I need another one. Like, I need something that's going to make me a lot of money so that we're not paying two fucking mortgages on the old house and the new one. And by way of doing this, I'm going to go into my office or you can't go into um, – I love the family dynamic because it's so broken where you have this little creepy girl who's a creepy girl in all these horror movies where it's just, I'm going to paint on the walls, but I'm also going to see ghosts at some point. The son has night terrors and the wife is just exhausted. It's not like this happy family dynamic where they're like, yay, new experience. The dad's going to write a book and we're going to be rich. No, it's like, this is the last time. Like the wife is like, I'm going to take the fucking kids and go if this one doesn't work out. Just letting you know. Cause this it's like Godfather. Godfather too, you know. She fucking she tells him she's like Michael. You know, I'm taking the kids and I'm gonna go. What does Michael say? He goes, No, you're fucking not. Um, you know. Uh, yeah, I, I, it's with Scott Derrickson here, who I know he directed Doctor Strange. Um, mm-hmm. and prior to being fucking kicked off, you know, was gonna be doing Doctor Strange too, which he wanted to do as a horror film. Uh, I'm glad that he made a better quality movie with Doctor Strange. Um, as far as yeah, again, it's not knocking this film. It's just it's like wow, it's like apples and oranges when you see the two movies. Um, like, is the idea that the that that audience wise, when he's making this film, does he think his audience is the wife? You know, like you said, like there there are all these things that happen at the very beginning. He's talking to the sheriff, and you know, they, the sheriff throws out that like. Oh, I think this is in poor taste type of deal. But is it supposed to be a surprise later on in the film when you find out that that's the house where the murders occurred? Like it was one of those I mean, that it was like, yeah, it was so obvious, you know. Like it was like the fucking that, the first yeah, thing like yeah. I got. I was like, I, I turned around to the cool yeah. girl who had seen this before. I'm like, okay, obviously they moved into the fucking house that the current the killing happened at. Yeah, I mean, he, well, he, 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 I mean, well, you go ahead, when when you get back. When you get back to that scene when, when his wife asks him if they've moved two houses down once again, like you kind of like know right there in that moment. And I feel like him, like I felt like knowing uh, him that he was going to be keeping this secret, like I felt that was going to add to like family strife later on in the film. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Monkey. Yeah, but also the movie begins with the first snuff film, you know, of, of the multiple hanging. You know, the movie begins yeah. with that snuff film. And <clears throat> for those of you that couldn't figure it out, you know, as soon as he opens up the window to his office, boom, there's the fucking tree with the branch still attached for some fucking reason. You know, he, yeah. this was like decades later. But 
you know, yeah. Grew back. They, 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 Branches they, grow. No, I'm talking about the fallen branch that was soft. Yeah, because this just happened. They, they grow. That, that hanging, just that's the whitest murder. That five that family members, <laughs> that just happened. That girl's missing. The Stevenson girl's missing. Oh, oh, oh I was confused. I thought that was one of the older ones. Okay. No, no, that's the latest one. The girl's the one that did it, and now she's missing. So, yeah, the branch should still be missing off of that tree. And that's oh, wait, spoiler. But <laughs> if you watch the movie, you would have seen that. But, yeah, the, 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 the Super 8 movies are, are part, like I said, plus having uh, Boards of Canada's gyroscope playing over it, which is a great uh, Norwegian uh, and Scottish electronic duo. But it, off, it has that weird off-putting sound to it, which I really dug about yeah. the soundtrack. Because um, it was Boards of Canada, and it was also over. Um, there's a 24-minute song called Silence Teaches You How to Sing, which is uh, used overlaid over a lot of the Super 8s, too. So they wanted to have a Norwegian death metal soundtrack, and they just decided to do more of a Norwegian electronic. So that's why you get some of the weird sounds, you know, over the soundtrack, which is perfect. I mean, to my knowledge, it hasn't been a soundtrack released for uh, Sinister, but I'd love to get it. Um, but, yeah, the, the the family hanging was a great one. Um, the family getting their throat slit is another one um, that I really dug. On the bed with the chihuahua barking. As you just see that knife go down like, on the, onto the necks, and that dog never got killed. It's like, all right, <laughs> you know. Yeah, because uh, I like with cake. What? Oh, go ahead, Ghoul. I was just say I like the one with the cinder blocks, and yeah, yeah you know what, man? I, I definitely, definitely did not, did not need to see any more fucking dogs dying, man. That was a a fucking traumatic experience that I put myself through on Monday. I'm good. Yeah. Oh man. My favorite was the, the lawnmower. I think that might have been my favorite one because that's the one that shocks Ellison <laughs> the most. Where he's like, "I got to get the fuck out of here" because you just see that lawnmower just going on a night in the rain, and all of a sudden there's somebody's fucking head. Mm-hmm. Fucking metal dude. Show, and, me. I, show me that. And I bet you, and I bet you that during their little experiment, that's probably the scene that got the highest jump scare because that kind of comes out of nowhere. That even got the ghoul girl to jump, and she does it. She's like me with that kind of shit. She knows it's always coming. Mm-hmm. But that even, like, kind of pepped her up a little bit. And she's seen the movie before. You know, she even looked at me. She was like, was that a fucking person? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> but the other thing about this movie that I, I do like, you know, is they have some moments where you are ha- expecting jump scares to happen. Like, where you're expecting the usual jump scares to be with the musical stings and all that kind of stuff. They don't do that. So instead, they just fuck with you. You know, and maybe again, this is maybe where those heart rates went up. You know, is because you know you have these moments going around, and you're waiting for the jump scare to happen, so your heartbeat is maybe going, and they don't deliver your usual jump scares. But that one, yeah. Well, again, you know, yeah. Mm -hmm. No, go ahead, King. Sorry. I was going to say that one is earned. You know, the the lawnmower one because it does come out of nowhere. There's no real sound to kind of indicate it's going to happen. So when it does, it does give a little bit of jump, but then. They decide to do the fucking Bagul fucking jump scares three or four times. I'm like, all right, you're not earning these anymore. Like, you're throwing his face at the camera going, bam! Like, That's not a fucking good earned jump scare. That's good waiting for it to happen. Like, and they just repeated it so many times. Like, Man, that's their money shot right there, having Bagul's face peering <laughs> in the fucking camera. Like, I was so tired of it. What the fuck you got to put me in there? Oh, Bugle. Bugle. <laughs> not the ghoul, but Bugle, as we find out. From my face, my face gets in there. You know, the only thing you've got to worry about is TV screens getting messed up. 
So we also have the uh, in the movie the, the deputy so and so you know this up and coming guy who's a big fan of Ellison. Deputy you know, he has his book of Kentucky Blood. <laughs> but this is deputy so and so. Yeah, movie. exactly. And he wants to be part deputy, of the acknowledgments, yeah. and he wants to. I'll do anything you ask me to do, bud. Like you know, whatever. As long as I get an acknowledgement <laughs> in your book, like you know, uh, I couldn't have done it without deputy so and so. Fine, fine. I'll take I don't know how your spin. Deputy so and so has his name in the phone. It's not yeah. deputy whatever. Deputy so and so. You know. And he's the one helping him out, connecting all these murders that happened, because there has to be some kind of connecting tissue. There has to be something that connects them all these, because they're all similar, where it's families, but all the children go missing, and why are the children missing, you know, and who's making the films? And who is the one making these films? And who fucking put them in the attic? <laughs> yeah, and who the, the fuck is Kaiser Soze? <laughs> yeah. Flowers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's, it's a lot of this... <laughs> but uh, we have Deputy So-and-So directing him towards Dr. Jonas, played by Vincent D'Onofrio in this movie, who I fucking love. I love Vincent D'Onofrio. Mm-hmm. Such a great kid today. But uh, they needed about, more. You know, Babylon. Yeah, needed a I could have done with Vincent more D'Onofrio. I could always yep. do with more D'Onofrio. Like, I was hoping with the introduction of this character here that he was going to come in full in like the later portion of the film, maybe, you know, to come check out some shit at the house, like give us a, a full on, like just little, little bit of, and even a, maybe a kill. I don't know. You know, I was, I was hoping for more D'Onofrio, but you know, I guess I got to appreciate what yeah. I got. I loved it when they, when he showed up and he was going over the legend of, of the Babylonian demon, Bagul. You know, who would require the child to kill the entire family, then he would take the child and suck their soul out. I'm like, that's cool. This kid fucking just could be anyway. Just take him. Like, you know, it's fine. You know, it don't hurt any dog. For... Yeah, it's just, especially when they have that reveal in the Super 8s when he finds the extended footage later, the extended cuts, and it's all the kids and they're just fucking putting their uh, finger up to their lips going, shh. I'm like, fucking kids, man. Fucking goddamn kids. Like, this is the problem. You don't know when they're going to kill you. This, you don't. Which is what explains the elevated heart rates throughout the whole film. I think that's really yeah. what it is. The audience that they put, you know, in front of this, you know, the the fifty or so people that had to sit there and watch, they just didn't like children, you know. And as soon as you put the children <laughs> on the screen, they're fucking agitated. You know, the Karens are all mad. The dads are pissed because you know they fucking didn't wash their cup or they fucking left the hose <laughs> unraveled or some shit, you know. So they're sitting there watching it, going, you know, this motherfuckers. Look, these kids are in the fucking office again. They're not supposed to be in there. What the fuck? <laughs> and with him finding out about the ghoul and what the symbols mean, uh, when Ellison goes into the attic later, that's when he gets to see all the dead kids, you know, in the attic. Like I was telling you, where they have the ghoul on the screen, and then all of a sudden it pops out and does a jump scare, and Ellison's like, fuck this, I'm burning everything when we leave. <laughs> it's the scene before that that had me cracking up, because he's gaslighting the shit at his wife in that scene, where she's like, you knew what fucking house this was? He's like, well, I didn't say we moved three houses down. I told you that much. So the murders happened. They were hung from a tree in the backyard. What did he say? He didn't lie. For? He didn't <laughs> lie. She asked, you know, exactly. how he, did we move, you know, two or three houses from a fucking murder house? No. That's not a lie. As somebody that got away with a lot of shit, for a lot of years, you learn how not to lie while never telling the fucking truth. 
He's like, well, so I didn't want to live in a house where people died in it. No, they <laughs> died out there. No one died in the house. Oh, they didn't die here. Where did they die? In the tree in the backyard. Oh, well, that's just great. He's like, this isn't my fault. Don't turn it around on me. <laughs> you moved here, too. You're living here, too, just because your daughter likes to draw pictures. She's artistic. <laughs> Meanwhile, she's got dead kids you know, in her bedroom. Hanging from trees and ghostly things. And, you know, she is artistic. And a little fun paintbrush. Yeah, but don't don't forget we also have the annoying like preteen that has night terrors. So we never know pointless. where we're gonna find him. So... <laughs> he had no point. He had a couple night terrors, and the one fucking thing where he pops out of the box and he's like, "Oh God!" Like night terror. Other than that, no, what the fuck is his point? I'll there was no point for this was. kid. It absolutely was. Here was the thing. We knew, okay, from, you know, pretty much as yet, if, okay, the kid's missing, right? Here, here's, the, here's the big mystery. The kid is missing, but we know that the family has been murdered. Now, while you watch these Super 8s, you realize, you know, from, from the little bit of digging, a kid goes missing from each one of these cases. We know yep. that the kids are the murderers. You know, especially yeah. this gets cemented when D'Onofrio tells us about this demon Bagul, and what he does, where the kid murders the family, he sucks the soul. So the reason for the son is just so Sucky we, Sucky. as the audience members, are sitting there not knowing whether it's the daughter or the son that's going to do the murdering versus being killed. Hmm. I mean, I guess. I mean, there was other families that did have other kids, too. Like, one kid would get taken and the other one would be killed. Like, in the pool sequence... Um, I think there was an extra kid in that one. So, I mean, you know, it's one being taken and the other being sacrificed. It's just that this particular well, again, kid didn't really do anything. And I'm like, oh, kid, I forgot. We would know that that kid is the murderer, though. You know what I mean? That's the yeah. thing. Yeah. So having him it's and just, having him have the night terrors, which send him out of the house, he goes missing mm-hmm. on, you know, out of nowhere. It kind of is, it's, it's basically there to make you believe, and I think poorly, that he's going to be the one that is ultimately going to kill the family because he's the one that is kind of like a random element with these specific night terrors. You know, it's supposed to be a shock that it's the daughter because, you know, she's the artistic one. She's the peaceful one. Look at her drawing on the wall. She's such a good little girl. Um, It's it's supposed to be a misdirection that I think that Derrickson just completely fails on because he never really achieved, never establishes the son as a a solid character. No, at all. No, because they know that he has night terrors. Well, yeah, and the mom, she's the one that, you know, does all the talking because apparently they didn't write the kid into it, you know, well, about how his – night- She's a woman. Yeah, but, but, I, but I'm saying, that, you oh, know, yeah, they do talk crazy. about how the night terrors have gotten worse since he's, he's moved there and stuff like that. But, yeah. again, they, they should have been showing more struggles with him with the night yep. terrors, like the ghoul was saying, of we need to have a transition of shit going dark with that son – so you think maybe mm-hmm. he's definitely going to be the one that possibly goes dark side. He yeah, maybe they find him fucking his teacher yeah. in like the utility closet or you know, other <laughs> other like little things, getting into fights at school. Like I know he has the one scene where he was like drawing a picture of some shit at school and he got in trouble for that, you know? Yeah, the people hanging from the tree. He drew a picture yeah. of them. Mm-hmm. And on the blackboard and permanent marker, on, on uh, whiteboard rather. And permanent oh, the marker. whiteboard and the permanent <laughs> marker, which... Yeah. You know, I'm sure the dean would know what that fucking feels like. That would probably piss you off, wouldn't it, Dean? Oh my god, dude, it's the fucking worst. It 
Like <laughs> it hasn't happened in quite some time, but there have been some times when it happens and you just, you get so fucking pissed off. You can't help it. <laughs> <laughs> and then he grabs now, do the kids, kids book from his private library and throws it at the kids. Do, do they do it on purpose? Accident. I, I don't, I, I don't believe I've ever had someone do it on purpose. Spitefully. Yeah. See, my kids would do shit well, out of spite. That's what they do. I fucking eat. Yeah. I, I I would have done that on purpose <laughs> in school. <laughs> you would, but yeah, the brother of the man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, <laughs> once, once uh, Ellison's attacked by Bagul, that's when he burns the projector and all the film reels, and he's like, "We gotta get the fuck out of here. We're gonna go back to the original home, the old home." But it's fucking beautiful. I was like, compared to the fucking murder house, I'm like, dude, this is your home. I never would have left. I would have been like, dude, I could just go there on a day trip. And write my story there, like you know, I'm never leaving this mansion yeah. that I was a writer successful one time with the Kentucky Blood. <laughs> but I do like that they actually had the approach of smart enough to actually leave the scene of the haunted house. You know, of uh, we're doing all this shit. I'm burning everything, and we're just getting the fuck out. You know, just because how many horror movies we watch where it's like, why don't you just why don't you just fucking leave? Just go. <laughs> They've done it before. I mean, it's, it's not like it hasn't been done in the horror movie before. They do leave. Yes, I, I'm not saying point. it hasn't been done. I'm saying I've tried it in Poltergeist. It didn't work. <laughs> exactly. Poltergeist is a great example of when they tried to get the fuck out and they couldn't. They were just trapped. But um, yeah, they get back to the old house, and but he's like, I'm done with this project. I'm never going to write this book. It's over. But that's when he just delete right back into it. Delete, delete, delete. <laughs> yeah, putting it all in the trash, and now I'm going to drink my whiskey and just kind of relax. It's raining outside. It's very peaceful. But why are the film reels back in the attic? Oh, my God. Heart rate is jumping ah. at this point. <laughs> oh, sorry. No, that was, that was just me. <laughs> and that's like I said earlier, that's where he finds the extended cut scenes in the little paper where it's just these cut, you know, film reels where you find that like, slider cut that have gone missing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All these kids have gone missing. And then deputy so-and-so has to call and tell him there's a connection that everybody who left the house moved into another murder house. And you just put yourself right in the path of that motherfucker. And he's like, well, that's cool. I'll talk to you later. Deputy so-and-so. <laughs> it's such a non-reaction of like, fuck. Like, what do I Which, do? Which, like, you, you know, know, I don't, I mean, obviously, I guess because the deputy, one, has to have something to do, but two, I guess he has better connections than, than Ethan Hawke does in which he can look up these things. But it's like he already made the first connection at the one family yeah. had lived at the previous address before moving to that address. Like, he didn't think in, like, the, being that there was already a connection to two families that that died like that and watching this all on these super eights, like why he himself didn't like think to like look up that connection. But like I said, I guess they just needed something for the actor to do. So. <laughs> and I forgot about the family barbecue one too, where the kid chained up his parents in the station wagon and then set it on fire. I, like, I don't know why you need all the chains, buddy. They're in the back. They're all taped up. They're not getting out. <laughs> you know, just just be thorough, man. Because then you've got to put your metal sure symbol on the hood. <laughs> you light up, you, you get That's lit on fire. Gram. And I could tell you from I could tell you from 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 experience. You get lit on from, fire. From. You kind of 
do whatever the fuck you got to do. So it's not uncommon for somebody to maybe bust through some shit, strip down their pants, do whatever the fuck they got to do to put that fucker out. There's, there's skids pants? There's skids, yes, yes. That lit up really fucking quick, man. Really quick. They were up pretty good. I don't think they were going to be getting out of that. But, yeah, they chained it up and set them on fire, family barbecue. You know, but it's just... That's not a pentagram. That's Bagul symbol. Low and cool. slow. I love Doctor Jones. I'm just going to step in here real quick with some more exposition. Doctor Jones, I got more exposition for you. No time for <laughs> love. love Doctor Jones. <laughs> yeah. Again, Jonas shows up for more exposition about Bagul and just his, you know, how they pick families and the kid has to be the final sacrifice. So it's. More exposition that you really don't need, but again, it's Dr. Jonas. It's Vincent D'Onofrio, so of course, I want more of him. I want a standalone film, Dr. Jonas Files, where he's just investigating you know, <laughs> mysterious <laughs> crimes. Yeah, I love it. And he was on Law and Order, Criminal Intent, so that's perfect. <laughs> Law and Order, Ghost Intent. But um, <laughs> he finds out... <laughs> <laughs> about, you they know, should just have him the murder investigate the hand. They should just do this with the season <laughs> of him as Kingpin in uh in, in the yeah. next season of Daredevil that hasn't or never will happen again. And uh just, just have him go after the hand, but just the ghostly members of the hand, because they come back from the dead all the fucking time too. <laughs> yeah. But yes, after the exposition from Doctor Jonas about the rule taking one child under his influence so he could suck her soul out. That's when Ellison realizes that there might be something a little Irish about his coffee. Because there's some weird <laughs> green neon fluid in his oh, coffee. Oh, just because it's green, you're going to call it Irish. That's going to be Irish, man. No, man. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was talking more about the drug that was in his coffee that Ashley, his daughter, put in there saying, Good night, Dad. Yeah. a cute little note. What are you trying to say? <laughs> it's, it's, I thought it was just extra hey, I'm part there, Irish. Man. We're a bunch of drunks. So, yeah, I've had many coffees that have been Irish stuff. In my time, with a lot of bourbon, so I have authority. Terrible. I'm a typical Irish stereotype. I'm also a typical German stereotype too. So I mean, there's a lot going on. We're a bunch of drunks. We like sauerkraut. And we like pork. But that's besides the point. Fucking that clogs and suspenders uh, and make you do a weird fucking dance. We do the German dance for you. Tra la la, tra la la. We do the German. Dance. Yeah, you know. What the fuck is seen from European vacation? That's what we got to do. That should be you and Will's fucking costume next year, okay? The two of you in fucking Lederhosen. Well, nobody wants no, to do that. But, oh, no, but we did, find your, we did find your next year's costume when we went after Halloween shopping because it turns out that they actually put out some costumes for the boys, and they made yeah. a Homelander costume. Yep, so I've got to be Homelander. <laughs> yeah, I dude, for Homelander, <laughs> I want to be the deep. Outlander. I want to be the deep. Okay, I want to be killed. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's what I want to be. I want to be killed fucked, okay? There ain't nothing that's ever fucking, you know, that was one of the nastiest fucking things I've ever seen on TV. And yeah. holy shit, dude, that really fucked up my head, man. It's fucked up. <laughs> and the monkey will be A-Train. So we already decided. <laughs> In black. What are you face. talking about? You gotta I, go. I, I showed you the. I showed, I showed you the Starlight costume. <laughs> Oh, I didn't know you want to be Starlight. You can be Starlight if you want to. I mean, you can make it sexy next year. All right, cool. <laughs> there you, go. you can be Huey. Song. You can be Huey. Yeah, I'll be Huey. I'll just wear a Billy Joel t-shirt and bitch for fucking ten episodes. 
That's Dennis Quaid's kid, okay? And you know what? Regardless of whatever his political fucking thoughts are, which I do know what Dennis Quaid's political fucking leanings are, you know, what mm-hmm. I realized while watching A Dog's Journey is that Dennis Quaid, man, for, for whatever, again, like I said, regardless of what his political things are, I love watching that man in movies. There's just something that is just so comforting when I see him in a fucking film. I like the way he acts. I like seeing him in movies. And, and shit, if that fucking, again, that ending was such a kick in the fucking balls, man. Yep. Such a kick it's in the rough. fucking balls. Not right. Totally wrong. No. Okay. I, I will now, stick with that. Okay. I'll stick with Randy now, Quaid. Thank you very much. He's my preferred Quaid. Uh, <laughs> All right, yours. but now A <laughs> but now is going to get us back on track. <laughs> yeah, we'll get it back on track. So after he, you know he loses consciousness, he wakes up and sees that his wife Tracy and his son Trevor are Trevor are bound and gagged on the floor, and now Ashley, fully under the ghoul's possession, pulls a Jack Torrance with an axe. And this is what fucking pissed me off about this fucking movie is because I wanted to see it happen. I didn't want to see a cutaway where she's like, "Hey, daddy." And then raises the axe up, and then you cut away, and all of a sudden she's covered in blood. No, what a ripoff! Like I wanted to see at least that axe get buried into one of them. Yeah, I don't need to see the dismemberment. But let's see some little action here. This is the family we've been following the entire movie, and you're going to cut away? No, we're not even going to see the Super Eight. Oh, I was so mad. Oh, well, that's rip. because they, that's because they were aiming for PG-13. Rating and that's why there's very little actual blood in the movie. It's rated R. Like I said, it's rated R because of co- the content. But when they were oh, making the movie, they were they were okay. shooting for PG-13, which which is which is why there's no language, there's no sex, and there's very little actual blood. You know, as far it as it opens up being concerned. hung from a fucking tree. I mean, come on. Like, you know, yeah, I want to see just, something else. Telling you what they were shooting for, all right. But I agree yeah. with you, man. Yeah. You know, is I agree with you. We should have had that money shot, okay. And but I but on the flip side though, I also liked that they actually went there. I liked that they went and you know actually had her commit and could you kind know of. do the act. Kind of. What? Kind of went there. Yeah, you see her dragging the axe, and you see her looking at her dad, and then the dad cuts away, and then that's it. No, I mean, if they really wanted to go there, they would have had to raise it up and then slam it the fuck down, you know, and you would see some blood, like fucking Patrick Bateman in American Psycho. That's what I wanted to see. You know, bury that axe in the Paul Allen, and I want to see some blood splatter all over, you know, that girl's face. You know, really go there. Don't, you know, don't have her just carry it in, and then the next thing you know, her hands are covered in blood, and she's drawing pictures of her family dismembered. It's like, eh. <laughs> I just think it was just, it was disappointing. It's just I no, I'm just saying, you know, there's a lot of horror movies out there that just shy away from going that step. You know, they they won't they like have something else happen at the end of you know, I no, I'm saying I have something else happen where the family ends up living at the end. You know, but they actually oh, went there where she, she Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying is where she went and actually committed the murder. And, you know, yeah. yay for them for actually doing it. Instead of pulling away and somehow he gets away or some shit like that, and then you know they hug it out or some bullshit like that, you know. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah, I, I mean on that I point, just, I will say I was just happy right. they went yeah. there. <laughs> yeah. So to give us the bleak ending that really I, I love when horror movies give us a bleak ending and that's the bleakest of endings. The family's dead. 
Um, and then you have Ashley basically committing herself to the ghoul. All the dead kids, you know, come and greet her, and they're all just going to have fun. But they run away when the ghoul shows up because he's going to pick her up in their arms and carry her off into whatever hellscape the ghoul comes from. And the you find like, the Fox of Home movies. <laughs> yeah, I would love that. I mean, that would be great if he was like, hey, Hermanos. It's like, oh, man, she went to Bray Wyatt's Funhouse. I would have wanted to go there, like, you know. But um, we see that the Box of Home movies is now in the Oswald's family attic. Um, Ashley's gone, and then we get that great uh, smash of fucking the ghoul again. You know what? It's just like the fourth time. Nope. Didn't need yeah. it that time either. Like, you know, I didn't need it. It was uncalled for. I would have rather it had ended with Deputy So-and-So going to the house and then discovering all these dismembered bodies. And Ashley's missing. And then he's like, well, that's the fucking craziest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, I wish it was a movie. I, w- I wish we would have saw more of the fucking, like, the, the hatch job. Like, yeah, I wanted to see people getting hacked up and fucking, yeah. mm-hmm. I don't know. The fact that we yep. get it in a fucking childlike drawing was kind of disappointing. Yeah. I, I agree. There, it's like, yeah. <laughs> you know, we usually say less is more, but this time, you know, yeah. Put it all out there. That would have been awesome. It would have it been would a have slow been so build. We, could, we would have been looking at this at this point saying, okay, you know what? For the most part, this was a slow burn of a film. But at least if they delivered this fucking gory splatter fest of a fucking ending, I, I would probably be cheering for this film at this point. But again, overall, I found this movie fairly forgettable, to be perfectly honest with you. So whereas 50 people found this to be the scariest fucking movie they ever saw. I kind of fucking found myself falling asleep multiple times, and yeah. that is complete truth, because, you know, even with my fucking screen being as ginormous as it is, I put the movie on fairly late, and, you know, I know at some point or another I dozed off for all the five seconds before the ghoul girl, like, smacked me in the back of the fucking head, um, and then, you know, with about, 20, <laughs> with about 20 minutes left, I was going to stop it and pick it up today, but instead, I, you know, we moved it to the bedroom, and I trooped it out and finished the fucking movie. Um, last night, just way I didn't have to worry about it today, but uh, but yeah, it was uh, it wasn't as exciting as I was hoping for it to be. Science, notwithstanding. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It just yeah, it just it wasn't great. It just it could have been better. But again, horror is subjective. You know, what scares somebody else isn't going to scare somebody else. But there was a sequel in 2015 that uh, wow, I can't believe they made a sequel to it. And it was, I saw it in theaters as well, and it was really hard to get through because it was so fucking boring. But you get it's available on Prime if anybody's in. interested. Yeah, I mean, you <laughs> can definitely Netflix. check it's it out. Prime or Netflix. I mean, it's, it's one or the other. It's on one of the streaming sites. Um, but Deputy So-and-So does come back, but they don't give him a name again, so he's just listed as Deputy So-and-So in the credits. And he's a fucking love interest in the sequel. Like, Shannon uh, Sosser. It's a love interest, but not a name? Kids. Yeah, they, no, give, it, they don't give him any name. He's no, his credit deputy. is actually you – no, know, it's actually ex-deputy so-and-so in the credits. Oh, that's right, because he was his job because he tried to help out Ellison. That's right. <laughs> now, I mean, I don't want to get too much into Sinister 2 in case we cover it again because next year we'll have another heart rate monitor thing, and it'll be like, Sinister 2 is actually scarier. That's no, scary, right? at that point it's going to be Halloween Kills. It's going to be the scariest movie you've ever seen. Yeah, it's going to be scary, all right. <laughs> Uh-huh. Don't know in the rest, but so yeah, so that was uh, sinister brought to you by science. But next week, no, it wasn't on that list. Halloween, Halloween six wasn't on that list. 
It's surprising. Unfortunately not. Me. Go ahead, uh, Dean. What is your pick for next week? What do you got? Oh, boy. The time has come. Yeah. Oh, by the way, we've seen Microwave, we've seen microwave Massacre, just so you know. Yes, we, we have. have. We watched Pony Country. Pool. <laughs> just so you know, we've seen Pony yeah. Pool, okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and the end, sushi, watch that one too. We've, we've seen it. Yep. Blood beat. We saw, we saw. We saw. We saw dead sushi. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we watched yes, that. We have. Check that off your list. We also watched right, Bun Man. Fine. Just so you know. <laughs> oh yeah. Yes, Give me a bowl Bun Man. True story. Fucking with my. I, 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 we can, we can, you we can watch that again. We can... When we watch it, you're yeah, supposed to cross it off. I delete them from the list. <laughs> yeah. well, I put a, actually, I put a check mark next to them because if I delete it, I'll end up adding it again. <laughs> we are going to be very lucky in that Marshall. we are going to watch something from 2015. Uh, it is called Night Fair. Please. Like you can find it. It is, it is F-A-I-R or F-A-R-E? No, Night Fair, F-A-R-E, as in like a taxi fair. Um, okay. It is on Netflix. I know that it's on Netflix. Uh-huh. <laughs> Thank you. <Yep>. Night Fair <laughs> for right, 2015. Cool. Oh, it's fun because it's in Paris. That's great. Oh, Paris. Is it about a... Parisian mm. taxi driver? No, it's about a Parisian z- z- zombie outbreak. Wait, no, we did that one too. Yeah, we did that one. <laughs> That's Night the World. Covered it. <laughs> yeah, I like that about Below, whatever the fuck that movie was called. As opposed to Below, no. You're talking about Night the World. That was their French zombie Oh, that too. Better. You know, whatever the fucking thing. <laughs> yeah. I listen, man. You know what, dude? Half the movies we watch become a blur in my fucking head. The only reason I know we watch them is because I can look at the back episodes and it tells me the names <laughs> and the fucking clues that you give. Oh, that's, uh, I can't wait to cover this one. It's kind of like a, the French version of Taxi Driver. So we'll have to check that Night Fair out from 2015, directed by Julian Oh, oh, oh. Get ready for the <laughs> French accent, everybody. <laughs> oh, wee wee. Check out. <laughs> oh, with the French bread and that French wine. fries. S'il vous plaît, parlez-vous François? I'm going to smoke my little cigarette. Oh, yes, my Les poissons! Be our guest, be our guest. François, hello. Elevated, huh? You like your heart elevated, huh? You. Your dinner. <laughs> That's the right for Try you. the great stuff. It's delicious. If you don't believe me, you ask the dishes. Oh. <laughs> we will sing. We will so. dance. I will fuck another <laughs> lamb. Thank you for the pick, Dean, and we'll see you back here next week for your pick of Nightmare. So excited. Yeah, you sound it. Just can't All hide right. it. <laughs> can't hide it. Yeah, yeah, he's week. going to lose his control, and I think he likes me. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. All right. Going to take a cab I home. Go. I am I, no I am working on my Taxi. night moves. <laughs> I'm on the night moves. Number one song in France. Number one new Super song. Cool. <laughs> Super cool song. 
I like it. Super cool. You like to make the I like your American fries. American <laughs> potatoes, freedom fries. They're so good. Taking that knife out to the disco deck, huh? Ah, you like the dancing. You like the sexy ladies. Wee oui, wee. Oui. Hop in my cab. Why don't you hit us with a plug, go as they close out? Hi, you old man monkey. Thank you for listening to tonight's episode of Talking Terror. <laughs> and letting oh, me come in your ear. Oh, you about to come in my rear. <laughs> come in the rear of my taxi. Oh, the taxi's going to be hey. a fucking nightmare. Holy shit. <laughs> Get out of my dreams. Get into my car. <laughs> Ah, uh, Billy Ocean, number one song out there. Gonna be in Queens, very cool, huh? I like you. He's my favorite ocean next to the Pacific. You say Atlantic, I say Billy. The whole episode was to do this. <laughs> I want to hear this the plug, uh, it called, uh, <laughs> With the holidays around the corner, you should get online to SC. That would be She, SC. Okay, like we say it in the front. And then you put in the search engine, or one word, bonfire, beat designs. You buy yourself the oh, fancy fucking jewelry, bonjour, for your girlfriend, and she will like you forever. All seriousness, go to Etsy, one word, in the search bar, bonfire bead design, gemstones, jewelry, bracelets, necklaces. I'm sorry. We got you covered there. As always, I'm your old father king of our NTG saying, Viva France! Keep horror movies coming. Hey, Jason, now France. I'm off to have a baguette to drink some wine. Stay scared, everyone. Stay scared. Man. Bonjour.